Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining me. This is Southern California Live on KKLA. I am Pastor Scott Furrow. It is great to be with you once again today on this wonderful Friday. Hope that you have some good plans for this weekend, uh, plans to take a little break, if uh, unless you have to work. Some people have to work on weekends. I'm a pastor. i got to work on the weekend an awful lot of the time. That's how it works. Also on the weekdays and weeknights and different times, but that's how it goes. Uh, because it's Friday, I've got some things that I can talk about, but I also want to hear from you. What kinds of things are on your mind? You know, something for a, a pastor or a radio host I think that matters is we want to know what is the audience thinking about them? Are we discussing things or are we answering questions that the audience actually is asking? It's kind of a big deal. And uh, so a great opportunity on Friday is to take a moment and uh, hear from you, and you get to be a part of the program. The number is 888-52-TALKS. That's 888-528-2557. I'd love to hear from you on any subject that is on your mind, something maybe you want to ask the pastor about theology, something about current events, something uh, about sports. You a Dodger fan? I'm a Dodger fan. We're one game out, nine games to play against the San Francisco Giants. And uh, I can tell you, I am hoping that we pull this one out. And then I'm hoping that, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to root for, if the Giants end up with the wild card, I'm definitely rooting for the Giants to get beat. But I also am sick of playing the Cardinals in the, in the playoffs. So we'll see how that goes. Anyway, exciting times, exciting times for Southern California baseball. So we can even talk about that to make things a little bit more lighthearted. And we should have a little bit of fun with different things like that. So get some coffee if you need some. And, uh, you know, what else we can talk about? There's so many things to talk about that I think they rile us up quite a bit, right? Pfizer booster shots, Arizona audit. Uh, we've been talking about immigration. I see there's a couple more calls about that that is going on. So I'll get to that here uh, in just a, a moment. But as we talk about these things, one of the things that we want to do on this program is take a look at these things through the layer, through the lens of our faith. And that challenges us quite a bit, I think, a little bit differently. So that's where I want to go uh, with that today. So I'm going to take a call from Gary in La Habra. Gary, welcome to our program. Thanks thanks for holding. You've been online for a little while, so thank you for holding. Gary, you with us? Gary, welcome to the program. Gary, I'm having a little trouble. Uh, are you with me? All right, there we go. I've been listening to what you're talking about, and um, a scripture came to mind. Uh, Proverbs 28, verse 2, it says, A lawless nation will have many bad leaders, but a smart leader will rule for a long time in a land where the people obey the law. Now, the United States for many years has been a leader in many areas, but the way our country is turning... I've heard a lot of people say we need to take care of ourselves, and I think we have been taking care of ourselves for quite a long time. In fact, we've been taking too good a care of ourselves because we haven't been thinking about others around us. And uh, I think our country has become very self-centered, 
and very selfish. And I think judgment's coming on this country, and we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg right now. Hmm. When you think about uh, getting our own house in order, and uh, and that's an interesting uh, passage, uh, Proverbs twenty eight two. When a country is rebellious, uh, this is a different translation. When a country is rebellious, it has many rulers, but a ruler with discernment and knowledge maintains order. The very next verse is a ruler who oppresses the poor is like driving rain that leaves no crops. Uh-huh. Uh, those who and then right. continues those who forsake instruction praise the wicked, but those who heed it resist them. There's so much we learn from from wisdom. What would you say we need to do as a country to get our house in order? What do you strive down with that a little bit? We need to repent. Yeah, we need to repent. We need to get down on our knees. We need to repent. We need to get our start with ourselves, with our children, with our wives and husbands, with our families, and we need to repent. And we need there needs to be unity of the spirit in our country, in our homes, in our lives. And that's the only way we're going to be, as Christians, to be a salt, a light to other people. Because we can't stop what's happening in cities, in borders, in, in uh, political offices. We can't stop that kind of stuff. We, right. we can only start in our own hearts and in our minds and then be that influence to others. Where would you say we start with this? When, when we talk about repent, uh, are we talking about our attitude, our own behaviors? Uh, where would you start with that? Well, yeah, our attitude first, because that dictates our behavior. You know, yeah. we get up in the morning and we choose what kind of attitude we're going to have. And if we start with a bad attitude, we're going to say bad things to people, we're going to do bad actions, we're going to cut people off on the freeway. But if we choose to start with a good attitude and choose to follow what God's Word says and walk in obedience to His Spirit, then that's the only way we're going to have, we're going to make it just through our day, just to be able to drive to work, to take care of our families, to take care of our kids, pay our taxes, do whatever we need to do, the laws are there. The Lord has put us in this country. He's put us here. We're planted here. And where we're planted, we must grow and be a fragrant smell to others around us. That's right. Um, all right, Gary, thank you very much for your call. You know, Gary said that we need to grow, and he, he mentioned there at the end, to the others around us. And one of the things that we are called to do, and this is an area I think of and you can call us and chime in on this. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I think one of the areas that begins, just like what Gary just said, is with the people that are in our lives. That I think it gets overwhelming when we see all these problems that are so huge. But I think part of the problem also is that we are somehow expecting government to be better, and governments tend to not be better. Uh, our government is traveling along the same path as most governments, uh, and it's not really good. But the salvation for the nation comes when the church decides to be the church, and we make disciples. This is what Jesus called us to do. It's to actually make disciples of Jesus and not make disciples of our own, ourself. You know, a disciple of ourself might be that you love Jesus, but you also vote the way I vote, and you like the music I like, and you dress the way I like, those kinds of things. We need to focus on on Christ, and it begins in our own life, and part of repentance is, I think, to turn our hearts towards disciple-making. One of the things that I encourage you to do is list out the people in your relational world, your oikos, 
there's about eight to 15 people typically that anybody has in this group called your oikos. Scripturally, the word is oikos. It means relational world. This is what the New Testament, especially, it's in the Old Testament also uh, in a Hebrew form, but in the New Testament, oikos is brought up all the time. These are the people that God has placed in our life, and it's where disciple-making actually happens. And there's so much that we can do there. Uh, Jonathan, you are with us live here on Southern California Live. Jonathan, welcome to the program. Yes, hi. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, Pastor, to uh, listening to you and um, the previous callers, let me tell you something. The answer is simple. To whatever, whatever situation is going on in the world, it's in uh, uh, Chronicles uh, 714. It's very simple. God tells us what to do. It doesn't tell, it doesn't tell us, look, Let's go out to the government. Let's uh, let's do rallies. Let's do uh, picket signs. Let go. Let's take the fight to the streets. No, it tells us Christians what to do in order to heal the land and the world, basically. And I'll tell you what Jesus would do, but I'll tell you first what he wouldn't do. He wouldn't be sitting on a, a mega million uh, uh, dollar churches collecting dust with extremely expensive sound systems or flying private jets, $30 million jets, he wouldn't be doing that. What Jesus would be doing is he would be on his knees praying to the Father and bringing the answer, bringing the water that brings salvation to the world. That will heal the nation. There's millions and millions and millions of dollars just sitting on churches instead of being out there on the world bringing that light on this precious seconds that we have in life in this world. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to get better. The government will not get better. None of that will get better. That sounds very negative, but guess what? That's what the Bible tells me. Right now, God is tightening all the screws on the church so that we can wake up. So that we can wake up because the time is near. It's upon us, and he's calling us. And this, whatever's going on with that person in the White House and all his gangsters, it's a wake-up call for, 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 for the church to wake up and realize we are in danger times. We, we should be shouting to people, wake up. Jesus is coming. So yeah. our fight is not in Washington. Our fight is not on the streets. Our fight is on our knees. And we should be using our precious time on the radio, not talking about baseball, talking about saving lives. Life that will be lost forever in eternity. Pastor, God bless you, and God bless everybody that's listening to me. Jonathan, thank you. Thank, you, thank you for your call, and thank you for your passion on that. We, you know, something about our faith that I th- is foundational that we forget. If you read, you know, towards the end of the New Testament, what you have are books that are short, right? Second John, Third John, Jude, and then you have the book of Revelation that begins with an address to the churches, right, by, by Jesus. And uh, he compliments the churches, but he also calls them out on stuff. And I think one of the biggest ones that Jesus says is when he calls uh, that church out on losing its first love. And we forget something. We forget why we're here in the first place. John, in his letters, he encourages us at the end of the New Testament to keep our foundation correct. And one of the things that is foundational for the church is that our faith is salvific, that we are about the salvation of souls. 
that is what we are here to represent Christ to offer because Christ has accomplished what every culture in human history has been seeking to do, to figure out what's the purpose of life, who is God, and how do I please him? Jesus came and lived with us and told us and solved those issues. He came with us, he lived with us, and he became the sacrifice for our sin. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Our faith is salvific. We have something important to do. Thank you for your call. Uh, MP from uh, Reseda, you're on the air with us, Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott. The number here is 888-52-TALKS. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-257. MP, thanks for joining our show. Yes, hi. Um, um, It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very happy. Um, I just wanted to make a comment uh, about all this. I'm an immigrant myself, and Mm. um, I came here when I was 11 years old. I knew Jesus here in this country, um, and to me it was a big blessing. But I believe what's really happening right now is that normally we would see uh, you know, people and presidents from the U.S. always backing up the church. Uh, We're seeing something totally different now, um, obviously. But the thing is, uh, as Christians, we cannot go by what a government is saying or a president is saying. we got to go by what the Bible says. So that's, uh, I think that's the error that we are committing, we're doing as a church. We're not going by what God is saying. And unfortunately, we less and less reading the Bible. And I think that that's the main thing that we should start doing and getting in our knees and start praying and asking the Lord to guide us and to tell us where, where is the need at. Yeah, and uh, I think that's a very good point, MP. Thank you for calling. appreciate that very, very much. You know, one of uh, the studies out there, I've done a study before, it's called The Bible in 90 Days, and you can find some curriculum with that out there, and you can also, you know, if you have the Bible app on your phone, there's actually a curriculum. You can read through the whole Bible in just 90 days. Uh, it's about an hour a day, and, you know, there are probably something on Netflix that you can uh, decide not to binge on, and instead take an hour a day and read the Bible. And, you know, if you started right now, if you started today, and decided, you know what, I'm going to read the Bible just for one hour a day. Just start in Genesis and just read all the way through it. You'll be done by the end of the year. You will have finished the whole Bible. How many people listening can honestly say they have read the entire Bible? There are studies of church people, people who go to church every single week. And those studies have found that most Christians, most church-going Christians, have never read most of the Bible. They've just never read most of it. They've heard sermons, and they used to read some if they grew up in the church in Sunday school. There are studies that say that a lot of Christians haven't even been in the Gospels for years, that for some reason, somehow the Gospels are like the beginner stuff in people's mind, and they spend a lot of time with other stuff. I encourage people to read through the whole Bible. When you do that, when you read through it that fast, you're not going to get everything, right? You're going to read stuff, and you're going to go, Mash, I really don't understand this. You can go back and study it later. The Bible is a lifetime, a lifetime of studying Scripture you've got. But when you go through and you just read it that fast, what you get is the story of human history. You get the story of what God is doing through history. And people in our church who have done that, people that I've worked with, even myself when I've gone through it, you start to realize a few things. You start to realize that the world, most of the world, is not that much different than the world that's even described in the Old Testament. That kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but God maintains, that God is in charge. 
And you develop an ultimate great peace in knowing that God is in charge and that he has called us into his divine plan. And all of history is barreling towards the end where one day Jesus will come and judge us. And those who know him, those who are clothed in the robe of righteousness because we have accepted the grace offered by Jesus, we get to have everlasting life. We get a new heaven and new earth. And those that don't know him don't get that, and there's eternal torment. It's a serious, serious issue. And when you read all the way through the Bible, you get the story, and it changes how you look at the news. One of my best friends has been doing that. He just finished. And he said it changed the way he watches the news, where the news is all this negative stuff. Instead, he said, you know, I'm watching the news, and it's just confirming everything that I've read in the Bible. Have you ever done that? Let me challenge you. If you want uh, a Bible reading program, you know, you got the Bible in a year and that's fine. There's Bible in two years. I even found a three-year Bible one time. You can do that. And if you're studying along, that's a great way to do it. But you know what? Think about this for a moment. In three months, by the end of the year, October, November, December, one hour of reading a day, on average, if that's what you do, you will have the whole Bible read. Imagine what you will know and understand about the Lord. Imagine your relationship with the Lord when we get to 2022, if you do that. This is the Southern California Live program. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. The number here is 888-52-TALKS, 888-52-TALKS. And we've been talking about a variety of subjects as it's open line Friday. And I appreciate that. If you have anything on your mind, please give us a call and uh, be a part of our program. You know, when uh, I mentioned a moment ago that John is writing these letters to the church, when John is writing at the end of the, the New Testament, he's passing it on to a new generation. John is probably the last apostle alive who actually was with Jesus. Uh, there are very few eyewitnesses left. Most of them have passed away. And now he's passing it on to a new generation. And what are the things, if you were just going to pass on the faith to the next generation, to these kids— what are the things that you need to pass on? If you could just narrow it down. Second John is a great book about that. And one of them is that our faith is salvific. Uh, the other one is that we have a purpose. All right, something that he says in Second John is this. Uh, Second John uh, chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse 5. And now, dear lady, referring to the church, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. And by the beginning, he means the beginning of, of this era of the church when Jesus established this, when he gave us uh, the new commandment to love others as he has loved us. And Jesus told us that, you know, how do we prove our love for him? How, does, how do we know we love him if we keep his commandments? And he has commanded us to love other people, to be known for this. I think it's interesting that this is what John decides he's got to pass on to these new believers, that we walk in obedience to his commands. Walking means it's how you live your life, not just something you acknowledge. You know, we don't just tip our our hat to the scriptures. We actually walk in faith. That's what we are called to walk in love. This is what we are called to do. It's his command. That is so, so important. The other thing we have is a responsibility to the faith to pass it on, to make sure that the gospel is not, not distorted. He says in verse 7, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world, and any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. 
we have a mission and a command from Jesus. The command is to make disciples. And I think we make that really complicated, don't we? It's not that complicated. List out the people that God has placed in your life, your family, your coworkers, your classmates. Make a list of them, people that you interact with on a regular basis. Make a list of those people and pray for them every day. Get on your knees and pray for them, not just for their health, not just for good things would happen to them. Pray for their salvation. Pray that God would strengthen them if they're already saved, that the God would grow them. Pray that they would, if they were a mature Christian, that they would strengthen you. And if they're not a Christian, pray, God, use me in their life to help them know Jesus and be confident that God has placed you in their life for that reason, that God has called you into his divine plan, Peter tells us, so that these people will know the Savior. You're listening to the Cultivating Julia. That's my that's my regular show. I forget to say it. This is the Southern California Live Program. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. The number is one eight 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 fifty two talks eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. It's open line Friday, and uh, some of you are on hold. We'll get to your calls right after the break. This is Pastor Scott Furrow. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA. I'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, and we are enjoying our time today having a conversation about different things, and it's working its way into really getting to the nitty-gritty of what the church can do. And we we have frustrations that people have shared about stuff going on in the news and immigration and other things that are hard, but what is the next step that churches can take together. You can call in and join the conversation, one eight 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 fifty two talks one eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Right now on the phone we have Shana from Woodland Hills. Shana, welcome to the Southern California Live program. Shana? Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Is this Scott? Yeah, this is Scott. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah, I wanted to call in and make a couple comments about the some of the conversation that was going on. Yeah. I I hear people, you know, they're definitely very passionate about their opinions, about what we should let into the country and what's going on at the border and stuff. But I think it's um, kind of frustrating for those of us that are working with churches and stuff, because there are a lot of great nonprofits and a lot of great work going on and the harvest is plenty, but we need workers. We need yes. people to, you know, get involved and put that passion to work and use those their finances and their abilities, their gifts, their talents and, you know, start to pursue those passions and, you know, follow where, you know, God's putting those calls on their heart for a reason and they really need to, you know, go and be productive with it because we live in a time where we have more freedom than ever. If we're women, if we're people of color, if we're, you know, we can choose our careers, we, we can worship how we want. So we really, it's a time to go and make a difference and really go and invest ourselves and hear God's call and, and, you know, really push forward because if we're with groups, if we're united, if we're working through our churches and these different organizations, we can make a real difference. And it's amazing when you see, the, you know, it's a small group, but we can make big headway when we work together. Yes, we can. Shana, that's a, you're absolutely right about that. And something I think that sometimes we feel like there's just, maybe it's hopeless or there's not enough people or there's not enough money, whatever it is. There is abundance, isn't my- there? Yeah, well, we 
what? God works through us. He will bless us, and he will he will blow our minds with what can happen. Yes, yes, he does. It's incredible that when you ask the Lord for something in Jesus' name that is his will, so I'm not asking, you know, for the Aston Martin I'd like to have. I'm not going to get that. But if I ask God to do something with the way he's gifted me that's a part of his plan, it's going to happen. It's amazing what, what happens when we serve the Lord according oh, to his will. Yes, it is. It's amazing, Scott. And it's, it's such a great thing to let your children witness and to let your family witness. I mean, sometimes we get frustrated because there's people in our family that maybe we can't reach. But yeah. go out and be an example. And that's when they start to start to think, oh, maybe there's something to this. And that's where we can really make an impact in our, our cities and our nation. Well, and that's how they will they will know us, right? They will know Jesus through us because of our love, not because we go to church, not because uh, we go to a small group, not because we uh, know our Bibles that well, but because of our love. All those things are important. They matter. Yes. But re- relationally, we have so much we can do. That's why I talk about your your oikos sounds like a yogurt. I know I get coupons for oikos yogurt all the time because I talk about that. Um, <laughs> but it is the economy of God, these relationships, oikos. That's why in your New Testament you have letters that are written with some theology in the beginning, and then they talk about relationships, husbands and wives and kids and coworkers. These are the people that you do life with, and it's where discipleship actually happens. Uh, Shana, thank you very much for your call. I appreciate that. It reminds me of Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And then he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day approaching, the day uh, is uh, is capitalized because it's talking about judgment day. It's talking about the end. It's talking about the culmination of history. This will end. There will be a time when all of this comes to a close. And at that time, we're going to want to have worked as hard as we can and encouraged one another. We live in this this time of of consumeristic church, right? And it's hard with uh, everybody now feeling the tension of coming back to church and maybe we got used to watching things at home. I want to encourage you, if you haven't gone back to church yet, and there's still a lot of people who haven't, that, you know, unless you have a really good reason, like a medical reason, or, you know, doctors told you to stay home or something, we don't want you to, to do something to harm yourself. But I think for most people, you could go out and be at church with people. I think, you know, online is great because we can stay connected. If you are sick and you're on vacation or something, you can stay connected with the body of Christ. There's a lot of uses for online church that's really good. Uh, there's some bad ones because it might keep you out. Hebrews reminds us, the Hebrews writer says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. It's a lot much more than just having the right beliefs. It's that those beliefs cause us to do something, that this is a time that we live in where the church can actually do something and get things done that isn't something that relies on politics going a certain way or the weather being a certain way. 
this is an opportunity we have to really, really serve people this way. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'm Pastor Scott. This is Southern California Live. Pastor Scott Furr, you can call us and join the conversation. Anything that is on your mind, we'd love to hear from you today on our program. And we've been talking about a variety of things, but I think what what I'm liking about our conversation is we're definitely passionate about so many things, and we're driving it down now to what the church can actually do. What is it that we can do together? Maybe that's something else you'd like to share. What is it that your church does? Maybe you have a, a very interesting ministry that serves people in a particular way that uh, you could share. Uh, there are so many people with needs out there. Some churches have tremendous needs meeting to, say, the needs of people who are involved in human trafficking today. Uh, Southern California is one of the biggest hotbeds in the world for human trafficking. Did you know that? And people need rescue from this, and people need respite once they are out of this. It's a scary world that we live in that's kind of right under our noses. There is so much we can do. There are people who have tremendous needs, and the church is this great resource. Something I believe firmly as a pastor, and it's hard. I think one of the challenges for the church is that we're all these sort of separate companies, right, that, that when, you, when you look at it, unfortunately, maybe from a secular point of view, Churches are all nonprofit corporations, and we survive because of donations and business practices and uh, those kinds of things. But Jesus' church isn't about that. This is the, the format that in this era and in our country, we, we gather under that. But it's probably going to change. It's probably going to end. And the downside to churches being an organization in this way is that we tend to, we don't really say it, but we tend to compete against other churches. Like you probably wouldn't say that, that you're competing against the church down the street. But in a way you are, right? There's resources and other things. There is a, there was a, there's a Christian magazine that used to get dropped off at our church, and we'd be dropped off at churches all over town, Christian newspaper. And one church put in an advertisement in there. It said, uh, is your church boring? Well, come to our church. And I thought, who's that advertisement for? Who is that actually for? Well, it's for it's for Christians. And uh, you know what? Maybe your church, you know, could have a little more inspiring service time. Maybe some more work needs to be put into it or whatever. And I understand that kind of thing. But if you go from one church to another because your church is a little boring or this other church has a little better show, it's a net gain of zero for the kingdom of God. It It doesn't, you know... Some churches, their growth is entirely just transfer growth, and they think, oh, this is great. In fact, my church benefited from that. I'll talk about that one. We had, there were two churches that we had, like, relationships with, with different staff and different programs, and both those churches ended up in some huge controversy, and the angry people all showed up at our church. We doubled in size over the course of a couple of weeks, and uh, people were saying, oh, isn't this great? Look at all these people. We did this Christmas program one time, and I, and it was... <clears throat> I looked out, and I was the narrator during this thing. It was a great show. We had an orchestra. We had The music was tremendous. But I happened to know all these people from different places, and I looked out, and while I was not narrating during the music, I counted the people, and I counted how many people I didn't know what church they went to, and there was only 12 people out of a couple hundred in the room that, didn't already, that I didn't know where they went to church. And I wondered, are we reaching anybody, or are we just putting on a show for ourselves? That's a hard question for pastors or church people to sort of deal with. And so 
what we started to do was a different kind of program. We called it an Oikos party where we didn't promote it. We brought in uh, some, uh, you know, a, a Christian comedian or a Christian musician, somebody that, that can put on a decent show, but we only said invite the people that God has placed in your life. We're not going to promote it. We're not going to advertise it in the community. We want you to invite people. And you know what happened is people did, and then we filled the place, and half the people I didn't know. It was like 150 people in the room, and I have no idea who they are. But the great thing is that there are people who came who do know people because they were invited personally. 100% follow-up we have when we do these what we call Oikos parties. It's an incredible thing, and it helps you develop relationships. It helps you get to know how to pray for these people. And, you know, I encourage you to think outside of the box in the ministry that God has called you to at your church or maybe a place where you serve. And really ask yourself, how can we really reach people who need to know the gospel who sometimes are on the outside of it? You do it relationally. That's what we're, we're, we're taught. That's part of inherent in disciple-making. You're listening to the Southern California Live program. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. The number is one eight 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 fifty two talks one eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Open line Friday. You can call with anything that's on your mind. You can call right now. We're going to take just a break here for just a couple of minutes. This is Pastor Scott Furrow. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA. I'll be right back. All right, everybody, this is Pastor Scott Furrow. Welcome again to Southern California Live. And you can call in today. We have open line Friday. It is 1-888-52-TALKS, 1-888-528-2557. We've talked about a variety of issues, and we're cutting it down to uh, kind of what is the role for churches to solve some of the issues that we have. And uh, there are a lot of hard questions out there that that you have and a lot of passion and and. You know, the great thing is that we have a great God, a great God who is present and who calls us to wisdom, who calls us to trust him. And I would encourage you that the church has a significant role to play in each one of these areas. In fact, the greatest endeavor ever given to human beings is when Jesus called us to go and make disciples. That's the greatest endeavor ever, and it's wildly successful there's a statistic that somebody did that said at the beginning of the church in the book of Acts, there were uh, about one Christian for every 12 million people on the planet, whatever the population was back then. Do you know what that number is today? It's about one in 12. Do not think for a moment that the church, with all of its struggles, with all of the ways that we can get off track and we can struggle, don't think for a minute that Jesus is not building his church. He is building his church. And as imperfect as we are, each one of us, uh, Jesus is still using us. So there's so much grace in that. There is so much grace that God gives us. I think that C.S. Lewis said one time that in one of his books that we are far too easily pleased, that we do not realize the depths of grace that God has for us. We, we sat, we're satisfied with sometimes just the simplest blessings, but no, God has just tremendous grace for us and grace to use us for his divine plan. And that includes through a lot of challenging issues, and we've got some hard ones uh, to deal with. Uh, we've got time for one or two more calls. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Chris in Westminster, welcome to our program. Yes. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Oh, hey, how's it going? I'm sorry, I'm here. I apologize. No worries. Hey, uh, Great to have you. 
Hey, thanks for having this uh, this outlet for us to call in with our questions. Uh, my question is, um, I'm a pro-life kind of guy, and I um, had a question regarding same-sex couples allowing uh, to uh, adopt. Now, yeah. I'm curious of your perspective on that. Should that be allowed? Is that biblical, or should the pro-life movement, uh, maybe people... Um, or, or just Christians in general, just adopt more. Uh, I ask because there's been people that uh, who I get in discussions with who are, are um, anti or against abor- abortion or for abortion, and they will always criticize Christians for saying, well, "Why don't you guys adopt more?" And so I was just curious of your perspective on um, on what that is. All right, uh, thank you for your call, Chris. Appreciate that. A lot of issues there. Um, the issue of uh, thoughts about same-sex couples wanting to adopt, and also uh, the pro-life issue. And you know, pro-life is is a term that gets expanded into a lot of areas today. You know, most of the time, I think when we say pro-life, we're talking about abortion. I try to narrow it down a little bit when we have that discussion to say pro-abortion or anti-abortion, because then you don't get into pro-life or pro-choice, and those things can you know suddenly you have all this nuance and different arguments, and it takes us away from that subject. Uh, your primary question about thoughts on same-sex couples wanting to adopt, you know, um, you know, biblically where where I would come from is that it's very important that we understand as Christians that the way God has designed us, okay, is male and female, and to have a a certain theological discussion. One of the things that's happening in the world today, a place where I think the devil has been working hard is to try to eliminate Genesis 1 through 3 from our, our mindset, from our worldview. And, in the, and there's a lot of things to that. You know, there's, there's the issue of husband and wife. There's male and female. God created them male and female. Uh, there's the issue of uh, God creating the world. I mean, there's different discussions people have about that. But if you take out the idea of God even being a creator, then you've taken out the entire reason for the need of a Savior. You've taken out morality, ultimately. Uh, there are other issues. I mean, an interesting thing about our faith is that um, just about every philosophy out there talks about work in such a way that, like, work is part of the curse, you know, uh, or that work is a bad thing. Other religions and other philosophies throughout time have taught that. Uh, but work was invented before the fall, and work was something that we were called to do to take care of the garden. There are certain ethics that we get just in our everyday life from Genesis 1 through 3, how God designed things to be until the fall. So whenever we look at that, and then we look at what marriage is scripturally, I'll give you this part. It's obviously a much longer a longer discussion, uh, and I'm going to give it to you in two parts. One is just maybe the biblical discussion, but then also to take a look at it from the standpoint of our relationships with people, okay? Um, and that being said is that this conversation, a conversation about homosexuality or some of the gender issues that we've got today, abortion, these kinds of very, very big issues. It's one thing to have an academic biblical conversation about it, but that conversation changes when we're talking about somebody who's in our family, doesn't it? That conversation is different when it's a close friend or when it's us who are in that predicament. Uh, when you know, So there's a, another piece of this discussion that we have to have to realize that relationally, how do we love people through uh, these things? And sometimes our academic conversations about it uh, are very cut and dry and black and white, and they might be correct, but there are better ways to handle it in our relationships. So scripturally, 
marriage matters a lot for for Christians and I would say even for for Jewish people in that uh, um, marriage is the idea of God being united to his people. It's a, it's a metaphor for God and his people. It's a metaphor for Christ and the church uh, in the New Testament. And this is how, and of course, for the Jewish faith, you know, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so being united with, with uh, the Lord uh, in this relationship of marriage, it translates very well into being related with Christ. And from a Christian perspective, it matters that we're male and female. Uh, it matters because we're made differently. Uh, we just are. And there are so many things that, that we get riled up about this, but we're just different. When I do a wedding, uh, I tell a joke in most weddings, and it, I, I start to say, hey, you know, we're not here just for the wedding and the ceremony. We're here because we want to have a good marriage. And I encourage the couple to think about themselves 50 years from now. How's it going to be? And I always say, okay, 50 years from now, this only works if it's a younger couple, Okay, which most of them are. Although I've done some weddings for people even in their 90s. You know, I had a guy I married in his 90s, and he wanted to know if he could skip the counseling because he thought he may not live through it, which was pretty funny. Uh, And I said, yeah. So I'll say to the guy, I'll say to the the woman, I'll say, I want you to picture him 50 years from now. He's going to look different. He's going to be older. His hair will be gray or it'll fall out. He's going to be shorter. He's going to be hunched over. He's going to have hair grown out of his nose and out of his ears. And people are going to look at him and say, hey, there goes an old guy. And then I turn to the bride and I say to her, 50 years from now, you're going to look exactly like you do right now. And everybody laughs. And I remind the groom that he needs to remember that too. And the reason I can make that, the reason everybody laughs is because there's something acceptable about mocking the man for getting older, but you can't say that about her, even though it would be equally true ontologically speaking. All right, so scripturally, then I get into what's happening with Jesus and the church and with marriage, and it's able, I'm able to give the gospel that you get married to each other and you take on each other's good and bad stuff and the differences of being male and female. And when you get married to Jesus figuratively, you, he gets all of your bad stuff, but you get only his righteousness because that's all he has, and I can share the gospel that way. It matters a lot from a Christian perspective that we are male and female, and that goes to raising kids. And there's a lot of psychology and a lot of teaching just about kids that they need a mother and a father, that that difference that's inherent in being a mom, a female, and being a dad, a male, it matters for raising kids. So in that context of it, you know, I think that adoption should happen with with men and women. Um, that being said, there, the church should be challenged to get more into adoption and to get more into fostering kids. And sometimes, you know, you think, okay, this the same-sex couple is going to adopt a kid. They don't know Jesus. They don't care about Jesus. That's not where they're at. They're secular. I can't really put Jesus on them, right? Uh, we're running out of time here to get a longer answer. But one of the things I would say for the church is that if these issues really trouble us, we really need to help uh, adopt kids, foster kids. It matters. And I think God wants us to do that. I think God wants us to play a bigger role in that. And I think we should spend more time worrying about how we can get more involved and raise these kids in a Christian family with that kind of influence. Uh, I think that matters a lot. I'm out of time. I know you need a longer audience, uh, answer than that, and there's people online. Uh, but we got to be done for today. Everybody, thank you for being a part of our program today. I appreciate your calls. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. I'll be back with you on Wednesday next week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And thank you for listening to Southern California Live. Please check out uh, the website, KKLA and KPRZ.com if you're in San Diego. 
God bless you. Thank you. I hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you later. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525.